Hi, and welcome to the Dying to Ask podcast. I'm Deirdre Fitzpatrick. This is episode 195 of the podcast. I was asked just recently whether or not I have something major planned for episode 200. No, I don't even know what I'm doing for dinner tonight, let alone who might be on the show next month. I do know, however, that I love today's conversation with Jasmine Guillory. She's my guest on the show. Jasmine is a romance writer. Now, I recently had Brenda Novak on, and I wouldn't normally have two people who do the same thing on so close together, but this episode is really not about kind of the rom-com world. It's really about inclusion And the importance of being able to see people who look like you in entertainment, whether it's a movie, it's a TV show, or it's in the pages and, importantly, on the covers of books. Jasmine's books feature accomplished black women who navigate romantic complications. And her latest is called Drunk on Love. It is the story of Margot Noble, who runs a winery in Napa. She has feelings for a guy named Duke Williams, love the name, and he's a tech dude turned winery employee. Dun, dun, dun. I mean, you can see the movie, can't you? <laughs> so here's her background. Jasmine went to college at Wellesley. She then graduated from Stanford Law School. She clerked for a federal judge, and she got the big job at the big law firm. Like, things are going well. She was a really good lawyer. But there was, like, something else she wanted to do. Even though she was so successful, she wanted, like, a little something else and then creative. So she started writing on the side. And she started scratching that that intellectual itch that so many of us get to feed that creative side. And then she did one of those online novel writing challenges where you commit to writing, say, 50,000 words over the course of the month. And she hit that, no problem, and then she kept on going. And it really kept the motivation and the words just flowing. Now, she did go on to write and sell a book called The Wedding Date, and it got really good reviews. She then got a two-book deal with Penguin Random House, and it was only after spending five weeks on the New York Times bestseller list and really sitting back to do some self-reflection that she decided to make the leap to leave the law and to write full-time. Reese Witherspoon named her book The Proposal, a pick for her book club. And they're also apparently besties and working on some projects for her production company, Hello Sunshine. Fun fact about Jasmine. She has a yoga streak that is, not kidding you, in the thousands of days, which is actually how she first got onto my radar. I can't even do two days of yoga in a row, but she has done thousands. And it's really interesting to hear how she got into it and how she keeps this thing going. On this time to ask how Jasmine finally knew it was time to quit her day job. What research looks like, did you see the air quotes there, when you're writing romantic fiction. The impact Reese Witherspoon has on an author's life. The value of a creative outlet that isn't how you earn your living. And the yoga, how, why, so much, stretching. But it does influence her writing in a big way, and her health, of course, as well. Will she ever stop the streak? I'm so curious about this. Enjoy my conversation with Jasmine Guillory on this Dying to Ask podcast. Have you ever wondered how did they do that? I do all the time. I'm Deirdre Fitzpatrick, and Dying to Ask is the podcast that gets me off a TV news set and into candid conversations with authors, entrepreneurs, athletes, and influencers I have been dying to talk to. Soak up the motivation that comes from learning how other people live their lives, how they take an idea or a goal, they follow through, and they pull it off. And maybe along the way, I'll get some answers to questions you've been dying to ask.
Jasmine, welcome to the Dying to Ask podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm thrilled to have you. And I want to begin by showing you something. I got your book, your latest book, Drunk on Love from the library. And I was almost at the end when my dog ate my library book. So I enjoyed every bit of it as did my dog until the very end. So I actually have not read the last couple of pages. (laughs) True story. (laughs) That actually happened. Well, I can send you another one. (laughs) (laughs) I actually had to go into the library to replace it. And I walked in and I brought it and I'm like, the dog ate my library book. (laughs) And they didn't bat an eye. Yeah, I'm sure they're used to that library. (laughs) I think it happens quite often, but anyway, I just thought you might get a kick out of that. That's truly how my, my introduction to your writing and my dog, (laughs) it's delicious. (laughs) Poor dog. Poor dog, poor library. Um, Anyway, um, thanks for coming on today. I'm so excited to talk to you, not only about your writing, but also about something that you also made headlines for in the last couple of years, which is actually what put you onto my radar. You had a yoga streak that I'm not sure if it's still going, but went on for a really, really it's impressive still time. Going. It's been um, over 2,000 days now. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So I first, I first read about you because because that article went viral. It was either Forbes <laughs> or Fortune, and the headline was something about you know author does yoga 1,700 straight days. <laughs> and as somebody who can't touch her toes, I'm like, what? how did that start? You know, so it started um, a few months before my first book came out. I went to New York City for like a meeting with my publishers. And I realized after I got home that, you know, living, I live in Oakland, living here in California, I don't walk as much as I did when I was in New York. And I, you know, I was so active the whole time I was there and I got home and I was a little jet lagged. So I was waking up a lot earlier than I usually do. And I was like, I should keep this in my life. You know, I should keep this level of activity or, or at least try to, I'm up early. What can I do? And I thought, well, I can just do yoga, you know, here in my home. Um, and I was sort of scrolling around online, looking for like online yoga class to take. Right. And I saw, um, yoga with Adrian does like every January, she does a 30 days with yoga. And I, she's kind of, she's kind of like yoga famous, right? She is. She's very yoga famous. Yeah. And, and I saw um, one of those as I was sort of looking around and I thought, oh, maybe I could try to do 30 days. Maybe I could, you know, and that at that point, that seemed like I could, I was not sure if I could make that 30 days. And then I did it. I kept going um, and I did all 30 days and then I just kept going. And I thought, you know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll try to make it I think uh, maybe I'll try to make it for a hundred days. And then when I made it for a hundred, a friend of mine asked me, are you going to try to make it for a whole year? And I thought, well, now I am. And then I just kept going. And I think, you know, it has been such a gift for me to do this for myself. It's like, you know, I really only do yoga for, I mean, it can be as little as 10 minutes a day. Sometimes it's as much as, you know, 40 minutes. Um, But it gives me a time each day where I'm like, checking in with myself, right? Seeing like, what is a little sore? What do I need to work on? Oh, I had a stressful day. I have a lot of tension in my shoulders. Let's do something there. Or I walked a lot. Let's, you know, work on my legs and hips or something. And it gives me sort of a moment of peace and calm in my day, which especially over the past three years, we have not had a lot of, and and it has been, you know, an enormous gift 
to myself to start doing that. I love it. My sister has had a three mile a day running streak going since the very first day of the pandemic when her kids were home from school. And she, she has said exactly the same reasons why she has kept it going. Um, And no matter what, and she's like, that is my time. And it's the same thing. And, you know, she's not like running it at, she's not running like six minute mile. She just, it's 30 minutes a day and it's just for her. And it's the same thing. And for her, it also, it's a creativity thing. So curious to know, how did that, like, how did that play into your writing and did it change it? Yeah, I think it, it helps it. I mean, there are moments when I, you know, have had a difficult writing day or something. And um, if I'll do a little bit of yoga afterwards, there's that time when I'm not thinking about my writing, but my, my mind is like, kind of gets a moment of peace. And then I have new ideas. You know, I think sometimes we need to like, give your mind a rest, and then it will sort of come up with a solution to the problem that I had had been thinking of earlier that day. And so it has really helped me, you know, there are times when like, I'm frustrated with something and I'm on the mat and I think, oh, that's how I do it, you know, and that and like those moments um, are are always just such a, a delightful gift to me. Do you think about the streak ending, is the streak important to you or is it just the yoga that's important? Um, You know, a little bit of both. I mean, definitely, I think the streak has helped me keep going. On those days when, you know, if it's been a long day and I haven't done yoga yet and I just want to get to bed, it it has made me like, fine, okay, I'll do some yoga (laughs) just to keep it going. And I appreciate that, you know, because otherwise I might stop and then who knows when I would start going again. And so, but it has also just become a habit in many ways. Like I, sometimes I just don't even think about it. You know, it's like, okay, I'm doing yoga now Um, because I'm just so used to that. Like my yoga mat kind of has a permanent spot. And so if sometimes I'm, you know, frustrated or tense or something and, um, and I just sort of get on the mat and it kind of helps with everything. Yeah. You don't usually get like angrier or more frustrated as you're doing yoga. Exactly. Right. You know, <laughs> meditation doesn't usually like, you know, piss you off. It yeah. just, yeah. <laughs> it either helps or it doesn't, but yeah. it doesn't usually <laughs> exacerbate the situation. And I will say, you know, as kind of a anxious person, sometimes it, meditation is, was hard for me at the beginning, you know, doing yoga, having kind of something kind of slow and peaceful. Like I kept thinking like, well, when can I check my phone? When am I going to do this next? You know, and it has been really good for me to figure out how to calm down. <laughs> you know, it's hard. It takes deep breaths. Like I remember um, sometimes I kind of time myself and like, how long it takes for me to do something by like how many breaths I take. And I remember very, you know, early in the pandemic in those first few days of March, 2020, um, I was like, wow, I'm taking a lot more breaths with this. Oh, that's because I'm breathing really fast because I'm stressed because this whole pandemic thing is stressing me out. And it forced me to like, okay, I'm going to take slower, deeper breaths. And that's not a thing that I would kind of normally think about. And it has really been something that has helped me so much. I love it. I have always struggled to embrace yoga and listening to you talk about it. I might try a little harder now. <laughs> we all <laughs> even have for a few minutes. You we know, all have I, our things. I've yeah. tried to run. I every I have a whole family full of runners, and it just is not my thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, you found your thing, and that's all that matters. <laughs> Another thing that you found was writing. So let's talk a little bit about about how you became a writer. Your characters are um, share one similar trait in that they're very accomplished black women who are navigating kind of 
complex, sometimes funny, but very relatable like entanglements in their romantic relationships. I love it. <laughs> what drew you to that? And why, why was it so important to you to be in that space? Um, you know, I started writing when, you know, as I said, I sort of needed a creative outlet. I'd been reading a lot of romance novels um, and I kind of dove into writing some and I just, it was just so much fun. I mean, you know, sometimes I, I started reading a lot of romance when I was having a very difficult, stressful time in my life. And it was really just a book that I could open and like, have a few hours of just joy and it was so wonderful for me to be able to experience that and I thought maybe you know maybe I would like to write this um and I started writing and it was just like the writing gave me so much joy you know it it, it has really kept me going um through through good times and bad I mean through some of the hardest times of the pandemic like waking up every day and thinking I get to work on my book today was really the thing that sustained me. Um, and I hope that my books can do that for other people. Your books have been super successful. I mean, even just scanning your Instagram, I mean, there you are with Reese Witherspoon and you're hanging out in really interesting places. Can you, do, you know, talk a little bit about, you know, the, the response that you've gotten from not only the literary world, but from readers. You know, one of my favorite things is being able to talk to readers. Um, you know, I was recently at a, a book festival in Los Angeles, the Bay Area Book Festival. Um, it's coming up this weekend. And I just love having that experience of talking to readers and seeing what my books have meant to them. You know, people have told me that they've read my books, like, you know, when they were in the hospital, when a family member was, and that it, it was a, the thing that gave them an escape. Or, you know, Black women have told me, I, you know, it is so great to read books about people who look like me, who have my experience, you know, I've seen my stories in your books. And I just, it, it means so much for me, to me to hear that. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, when you talk about Black women saying to see myself on these books, um, how few books were people seeing until relatively recently that were more inclusive? Yeah, you know, I think that Black women have always written romance, right? And it's always been out there, but I think it has been a lot harder to find. Publishers have not um, done a good job in distributing it. Bookstores didn't want to put it on their shelves. A lot of libraries, it was hard to find in libraries. And I think one of the things that has happened in the past few years, not just because of me, but a number of other Black romance writers um, have really, you know, when our books have sold well, publishers have kind of sat up and taken notice and thought, oh, maybe if we maybe if we do this more, people will buy more of them. And it turns out it's true. Um, <laughs> you know, Imagine I, that. <laughs> right. And so many, I've seen so many books like in the front tables that I never saw before and libraries have them right up at the front and it is just a joy for me and you know as a reader like I was a reader long before I was a writer um to be able to see that um, I'm looking at the cover of Drunk on Love one of your latest books and it says Jasmine Guillory is the undisputed queen of the modern day romance and that was <laughs> Vogue that said that I mean when when you get somebody or an organization that says something like that what is that that experience like for you um it feels mostly unreal <laughs> <laughs> It is, it, I mean, you know, writing for so long was just a dream I had. Um, I kept doing it, but I got kind of a, many rejections over and over and over again. And 
for um for people to really embrace my books feels just um incredible and, and a little surreal. Yeah. <laughs> well, one of the people who very visibly, you know, embraced your books was Reese Witherspoon, has kind of taken on this like fairy godmother kind of persona when it comes to <laughs> literature. Can you talk a little bit about the impact that somebody like her has on books, book sales and possibilities, opportunities? Oh, I mean, it is really wonderful. You know, I, um, the, the Reese Book Club, Reese picked my book, The Proposal, as one of her book club picks. And it has really brought the book um, to so many people who wouldn't have heard of it, wouldn't have seen it. Um, so many, you know, so many other books that that I wouldn't have heard of or seen if not for Reese and her book club. And it has really meant so much to me and to my books and has helped bring, you know, bring me readers who discovered my books that way and then have discovered a lot of other romances. You know, I've had readers say like, the proposal was the first romance novel I read and I loved it and I read all of your books. And then I, now I read all a whole bunch of romance. Um, and that makes me so happy. I I love that romance feels like it's having more of a moment. And certainly since the pandemic, it's been one of the one of the 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 genres within literature that has really exploded. And I think because we all kind of want some happy in our lives, because as you just mentioned a few minutes ago, it's been really rough. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people um, went straight to romance. I think people thought like, I need something that I can, you know, dive into for a few hours that will make me forget about what's going on in the world. You know, mm -hmm. I think we all need, um, some sort of, it was so hard to find joy, especially in, you know, in those first few years, so hard to find laughter. Um, and, and I think romance is something that brings you there. And that has really been, I mean, you know, I definitely turned to romance during that time and it has re been really great to see so many readers flock to romance. Yeah. So you did not start out wanting to be a romance novelist at all. <laughs> you were a lawyer, like a really accomplished, like lawyer with a capital L kind of lawyer. <laughs> so where did this like pivot come from? You know, I have, I've always been a huge reader um, my whole life. My parents are both big readers. We always had a lot of books in our house. Um, they always brought me to the library with them. And so there was a point um, in my career where I really, I realized I had no real creative outlet. I'd been out of school for a while. I wasn't, you know, I missed kind of learning something brand new to me that I, that I kind of didn't know anything about. And I thought, well, I've always loved to read. Maybe I would like writing. Um, and then I just sort of dove in and kind of start writing. You know, the the wedding day, which was my first published book, was definitely not the first book I wrote. <laughs> um, but you know, starting off and and kind of learning how to write, it it really just it was so fun, and I really loved what I was doing. And so I kind of kept going. Um, so there was definitely a while where I was juggling both for quite a while, and then um, and then I finally made. The, the switch to full-time writing. I think it's interesting that you didn't quit your day job because there is that, that push by a lot of people that, oh, I'm just going to follow my happy, follow my dream. And you didn't do that right away. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, uh, I'm, you know, as a lawyer, right? Lawyers are pretty risk averse. Yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to know, like, does this thing have legs before I would quit my day job? <laughs> So what would be your advice to people who maybe, you know, like you described, you know, have that like that creative thing they want to want to fulfill? Like, how would you do that if you are thinking about doing it as a job? What's your what's your what's your legal counsel as I ask for free legal advice on this? Yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, jump right in. Keep a keeps 
keep your day job for for at least a while, but but see if you love this. See if you can keep going with it. See if it's something that you will, you know, could happily do, you know, every day for the next few years. Um, and if you're, you know, checking, like check your bank balance, right? If, can you afford this? Like, can you keep going? Um, because that was, I had to, you know, I did that for a number of years is like, I was juggling both and writing like at lunchtime and then going back into the office and writing after work. And when I realized, okay, I could think I can make a go of this, then I kept going. So when podcasters and TV reporters from Sacramento aren't bothering you, what's a day like? Oh my goodness. It really depends on what's going on at that moment. You know, I um, try to write a little bit kind of throughout the day. I, I do kind of chunks throughout the day. Um, but then it also depends on like, if am I, you know, publicizing a new book, then I'll, then I'll be doing a lot more interviews. Is there any work travel? Um, I, there's always a lot of reading involved as well, because um, I'm always, you know, I have panels that I'm doing this weekend, I'm moderating a panel. So I'm reading all of those books to, you know, prepare for that or um, upcoming, you know, books that I'm recommending. So there's, there's a whole lot um, that goes on. I, I really, that has actually been the biggest challenge for me is having, you know, a day that has a very different structure every day. Yeah. <laughs> I really have to write it for myself. Um, so yeah. On a real like writing day where you really need to, to, to crank out some words, what does that look like for you? Do you, do you sit down, you had mentioned doing like bits here, bits there. Do you like to block time? I'm, I'm always curious about people's process. Yeah. Um, I tend to like, I, on big writing, big writing days, I tend to just block out the whole day. Like, because if I'm kind of, if I have other things, I'm kind of, thinking about and preparing for them. So I will, you know, I will try to block out whole days, whole weeks where I know that I'm just dedicated to writing. So I will, you know, go in for an hour, take a break, eat some lunch, write more, like go for a walk. You know, I need those like kind of break times to um, let the creativity flow. And so sometimes I will like take a walk in between or just like take a drive to the grocery store and back just to like give my out. <laughs> break and then come back, come back to writing. Yeah. Um, Drunk on Love, the book my dog ate um, <laughs> and really enjoyed. It, it has all my favorite things. It has Napa, it has wine, it has big tech. It's got a little bit of everything. Do you do research? Like we're do, like, for, you're so close to Napa. Did you actually go out to Napa and kind of try to envision all the things that are in this book? Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, that I, sounds rough. Yeah, I know. It was very, <laughs> very terrible. Um, it was a lot of really difficult research, uh, seeing an app drinking wine. Um, but I did ask, you know, people at wineries, lots of questions. Um, I went to events and kind of paid attention to what was going on, who the staff was, right. Cause seeing it from the from the side of, or, uh, you know, someone just experiencing it, a customer is very different from the staff or the owners. Um, I talked to some people who work at wineries to like ask them lots of behind the scene questions because th those are the things that, you know, I wouldn't have known about without, um, without asking those questions or taking those notes, doing that kind of research. I love it. So what are you working on next? What, what big picture would you like to do next or what are you doing? Um, you know, I'm in the early stages of the next book. So let's all keep our fingers crossed that it turns out well. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> and do you envision um, continuing to write novels? Are there other things you would like to write? I, do, I feel like I see a lot of people these days 
who are also segueing and doing like some screenwriting after doing books, if they've optioned their books off to be, I'm trying to think of, like Laura Day, for example, with The Last Thing You Told Me, I was just yeah. noticing that she has quite a few credits on the Netflix version of her book. Yeah, you know, that's something that I'd love to do in the future. Um, I think I don't, like, I would, I really kind of want to learn from talented screenwriters and, and see how they do it, because I feel like writing writing screenplays and writing novels are so are very different even though they kind of both envision fiction um they do it in a very different way so I you know definitely have some studying to do um in doing that but that's something I'd love to do in the future well as we wrap up um maybe your best advice for people who are a little inspired by hearing what you were able to pivot and do in terms of trying to kind of tap into that little creative thing that's inside everybody um, I think my biggest piece of advice is don't give up. Like I think especially it, it is hard, especially if you're an adult, to kind of learn something new and be feel like this isn't as good as what I see, right? Because of course it's not. You're just starting to learn. You're and like my first drafts are not as, you know, are not at all as good as the books on the bookshelf because they're first drafts, they're beginnings. And so just let yourself be bad at the beginning and kind of learn how to be good because we all have to get there. And I think that is one of the hardest things is kind of leaning into the this is a learning process and I'm learning how to do it. I interviewed um, the author James Rollins years ago and I was at his house. He lives in the Sacramento area and he had a little card on his desk and he had incredible success writing. And the card said, I give myself, today I give myself permission to write crap. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so yes. It's brilliant. We all have to give yourself that permission every single day. Yeah, I actually have uh, my version of that on my desk and every once in a while somebody will ask about it and I never tell them where it came from. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Jasmine, it's been so great getting to, to chat with you. What are good ways for people to follow you on social media and keep up with the events that you're working on? Um, yeah, you can follow me on Instagram at jasminepicks. Um, and my website is jasminegillery.com. Awesome. Well, I do need to find out what happens on the last two pages of Drunken Love, <laughs> since uh, those are the two pages that my dog did fully consume. <laughs> but I wish you the best of luck. And thank you again for joining us today. Thank you so much. Please take a minute and leave us a review. You sharing your thoughts or giving Dying to Ask five stars on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us right now will let other people know that this is a show that's worth listening to. It takes 20 seconds to do, but it has incredible impact. Thanks for listening, and I'll be back next week with another Dying to Ask.